0: thank you for tuning into this week's message for more information about connections church you can go to connectionschurch.church or follow us on facebook and instagram and jesus that's where we are right now we're in that place where we want to offer you our praise you see our chains are gone we just proclaimed and we've been set free and i thank you for that today that is Good news to the broken that is good news to those that are lost that their chains could also be broken and that their Walls could also fall down and that they could be found once again, and I thank you today God For the proclamation and song that's been sung here today for the the hearts of your people To want to worship you to seek you with all of their ways and so God in this moment where we open your word the very life-giving word that you've entrusted to us. I pray that you would do the miraculous. I pray that you would do what only you can do and take words that you spoke that we find on paper and bring them to life in such a way that they bring healing, that they bring salvation, that they bring hope. And we would give you all the praise and glory for that. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen before you sit would you mind reading god's word with me i saw you i saw you getting ready to pull the trigger on the sitting would you mind if we read god's word together really quickly before we sit down i want to go to john chapter 8 verse 24 here it is and i need to hear you if you don't mind ready i told you that you would die in your sins if you do not believe that i am he you will indeed die in your sins. And then I want to go to Hebrews before we sit down. Read this with me. So Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of the many. And He will appear a second time not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for Him. Say that last line with me again. He will bring salvation to those who are waiting for Him. Smile at somebody on the way down. I'm glad I came to church today, are you? Beautiful crowd here, and welcome. If it happens to be the first time you've been here at Connections Church, welcome to you. So glad that you decided to join us. Maybe you joined us online, live this morning. Welcome, welcome, welcome. We're so glad that you're out there. The world that you and I live in, and this won't come as new news to you, it includes two groups of people. When we boil it down to the basics, there's two groups of people. One group are those who will subscribe to the truth of Jesus Christ and, and they've accepted Him as Lord and Savior, and the other group simply has not. Joyfully, there is that first group of people who are going to be redeemed and live eternally. They're going to live in heaven with Jesus and they're going to be able to sit down and look Him in the eye face to face. And then there's that other group who will live eternally in sadness, in regret, in pain, and they will never lay eyes on the one who died for their sins. There's a group of people as we read in Hebrews that are looking for him and looking for him not only just gazingly but with anticipation looking for him. And then there's that group that when the trumpet sounds and the bride of Christ is raptured and taken from this earth will stare into the heavens with utter disbelief. They will mourn and they will marvel at what they have just seen. They will be shocked And memories of saved loved ones and Sunday school lessons and messages that they heard and Bible passages that they came across on billboards on the highway will flood across their memories. And about that time and in that moment, a sickening feeling will hit them in the pit of their stomachs. There's a group of people who will live in peace and fullness. And there's a group of people that will live in strife, unsettledness, And constant defeat on this earth. That's the society that we live in. You're in one of those two groups. It is for both of these groups, however, that we know that Jesus Christ came and walked and taught and preached with a message of permanence. A message of passion and a message of of love. And his message was then and still is today simply I am. If we could hear that with the spiritual ears that I think Jesus intends for us to hear that with, it becomes a bigger picture than just those two little words, those three letters of those two little words, I am. And as we've talked about for the last several weeks now, Jesus made I am statements. And if you've missed any of those messages, please go back and listen to those because each one of the statements that Jesus has made where He said, I am, have been critical. Not to just one group of people or another, but critical to all of us. Amen? So the verse we read out of John chapter 8 just a few moments ago was was spoken to the Pharisees who, who were questioning the claims that He was making about Himself. When He said, I am, the Pharisees were saying, Hold on a second, I've got questions. How many of us have ever asked questions? when Jesus says, I am. You say, yeah, but what about in my situation? You, you may not understand my situation. Jesus simply just says, I am. And that's what the Pharisees were wrestling with. Jesus was very direct with them in that first verse that we read. And he told them, if you do not believe that I am he, you will what? You will die in your sins. That's pretty direct. There's not a whole lot of room for Can we massage this? Can we make this different? Can we make this better? Jesus just simply said, if you don't believe I am, you will die in your sins. And I think we need to grasp that this morning. In our culture, in our churches, in the society that we live in, there's a lot of gray area. Amen? There's a lot of gray area about truth. We use that word so loosely, Jesus did not. And when we tell the truth or when we don't tell the truth, we tend to say, well, yeah, but, and then there's circumstances around that. There's certain things that we do, and, and we want to put them in the category of, oh, that's a gray area, so I wouldn't necessarily say that that's bad or that's good, but it's somewhere floating in the gray area. Jesus didn't function that way. Guess what? Jesus still doesn't function that way. He didn't change his mind. When he says, I am, he means I am. And when he said, if you don't believe in me that I am, you will die in your sins, then guess what that means for us today? That if we don't believe that he is, I am, we will die in our sins. So what was the problem with the Pharisees? Why didn't they believe it? Well, they were wrapped up in themselves. They were protecting their jobs. They, they had some control and some power over the people. And they didn't want to lose that. And so when he came on the scene and said, I am, their first thought was probably, wait a minute, I, we are, I am. Are you trying to take our role? Are you trying to take our position? Are you trying to take the control of these people from us? And I would assume if we would ask Jesus the answer to that question, he would say, yes, absolutely, I am. I am. Going to take control, going to be in control, you are not who you think you are. It is I who is. They were preserving their own jobs, the control they had over the people. The reality is that the Pharisees, like many others, were living in darkness. They were living in darkness. Just as it was then, a large portion of the world today, as I spoke earlier, lives and works and plays and exists in darkness. Some of the darkness that people live in today is unbelief. Anybody know anyone living in the darkness of unbelief? They can't get past certain things. There's there's certain things that have to do with Christianity or God that... That they just can't get past. On Wednesday nights, we've been studying here at the church at 6.30 a a, a, a topic called apologetics. How do we defend our faith? How do we answer the tough questions? And we've talked about people. People that Christ died for. People that He's already given His life for. People that He shed His blood for. That can't get past creation. They can't get past whether the Bible is true or not true. They, They can't get past certain questions that have come up. And so from that point, since they can't move past that, they won't accept the belief and the faith that God has tried to give them so that they could be saved. So they're stuck in the darkness of unbelief on one of those particular points, the origin of life, why bad things happen to good people, all of those big question items. Others are living in darkness of hurt, Anxiety, revenge, anger, pain, regret, and they live there. They live in the midst of that darkness and they can't seem to break free of it. It seems like an over strengthening thing for them to, to think how could I break free from this? How can I be beyond this? They just can't see that they could ever have that removed from their life and so they live in that darkness but what happens is it keeps them as an arm's length from Jesus Christ himself there's always the yeah but statement yeah but you don't understand pastor yeah but you don't understand where I'm at or what I've gone through or who's hurt me And because they can't seem to break free from that they're always at a distance from Christ another portion of people hide Darkness deep inside of them. They've got little secret sins that are deep, repressed, pushed down, and they're tightly closed under lock and key. They suppress that darkness for so long that it's almost normal to them to leave it there. And so there's a little piece of darkness that they keep closely guarded. They harbor that darkness and allow it to be there thinking that it will go unreported and then in the end it won't really matter. Their good deeds will outweigh any little secret darkness that they've allowed to be inside them. Well, it's for people in all of those categories that Jesus makes yet another I am statement. And this statement is simply this. I am the light of the world. Write that down. I am the light of the world. You see, in John chapter 8, the Pharisees, they, they had brought a, a woman to Jesus that had been caught in the act of adultery. They drag her in to the temple where Jesus is there preaching and teaching and, and talking with people. And they put her in front of Jesus. Some of you know this story. And they, they say, what should we do with this woman? The law of Moses tells us to stone her. What do you say? See, they had a, two reasons or more for wanting to bring her there and, and find out what he would say. And some of you know exactly what Jesus did. He was writing in the dirt while they asked the question repeatedly. What would you say we should do? And Jesus finally stood up and if you read through that, he says this. He says, he who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. I love Jesus for that reason. He doesn't do what we think he's going to do. He doesn't say what we think he's going to say. He says, I'll tell you what, if that's what you're thinking, I'm paraphrasing here, so don't, don't get crazy on me. If that's what you're thinking, then I'll tell you what, if, if you think you need to stone her, then let's, let's do this. The, the ones among you that have no sin, you, you throw the first stone, and if you know the story and you read through it, you'll know from Scripture that they all walked away. It was noted in there, by the way, that it was the older men first that walked away to the youngest. The ones who thought they had the most wisdom. The thought they had the most understanding. The ones who probably did the most talking when they brought her to his presence and and thought they had this thing figured out and were trying to trap Jesus. They walked away first. Leaving Jesus and this guilty lady who had been discovered in adultery standing there by themselves. And Jesus asked her... Where are your accusers? And she looked around and saw no one there except Jesus and said, No one's here. And Jesus said, Then neither do I condemn you. What? Go and sin no more. Then in verse 12, it says that Jesus spoke again to them. So the the setting that I have in my mind as we go through this is that it was in the temple. Verse 1 tells us that they brought the lady to him in the temple. So even though they had walked away when he made the comment, let those without sin cast the first stone, they were probably, and I'm just imagining how this went down, they were probably still within earshot. They had walked away over there, much like if I was talking to you over here quietly, those folks over there wouldn't know what we were saying. But they were still there in the temple. And so that's the scene that all of this happens in. They were probably still in the immediate area. And so Jesus perhaps calls to them. Hey! eyes. And he says to them the statement of I am. I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Boom. He drops the hammer. Again, the unexpected thing. They were thinking after he said that, that they were going to walk away. They were probably unsure. What's going to happen next in this scene? Uh, is he not going to do anything about this lady? We, we caught her red-handed, and yet we had to walk away because we couldn't throw the first stone. And now he's calling to us saying, I'm the light of the world. If you walk in me and follow me, you won't walk in darkness. And they began to process that. You see, they had brought the woman to him with their own agenda. Not only to punish her... But to try to catch Jesus in, a, in an accusation that they could charge him with. But it didn't work out that way. Seems like it never does with Jesus. Isn't that right? People always try to trap him. You find him off in a, in a setting and, and people come and they try to ask a question that they've meticulously thought through. And thought we'll get him with this one. And Jesus comes up with the right answer. But it never traps him and accomplishes what they wanted So even though they had brought this woman with their own agenda not only to punish her but to find something against Jesus, it didn't work out that way. He drops that light of the world thing on everybody in the room. When he said, I'm the light of the world, follow me, you won't walk in darkness, he wasn't just talking to them. You see, there was other people around, it was a temple setting. So when Jesus was actually saying, actually that question is, is, what was Jesus exposing? When he says, I'm the light of the world, what is he exposing there? You see, that's what the light does when it comes in, is it not? It exposes the things that are, are hidden in the darkness. You see, darkness is, is merely the absence of light. We know that. It's, it, there's no light present. It's darkness. But when the light comes in on the, the scene, the darkness ceases to exist. Is anybody hearing anything a little deeper there than just a science lesson? When the light comes in, the darkness ceases to exist. I I love the thought that in the presence of God and in the presence of light, darkness has no place. Somebody needs to hear that this morning and put that into practice this week. In the presence of light, the darkness has no place. You see, the two things can't coexist together. So Jesus was exposing the darkness that was in the hearts of every person in the room. He wasn't just talking about the adulterous woman. He wasn't just talking to the Pharisees. It was the Pharisees' dark intentions and why they were bringing this woman to him that he exposed with the light. It was the adulterous woman's need for true love and meaning in her life that he exposed. But it was also the temple workers who were present, who heard Jesus say this, that all of a sudden realized that they were suffering with a lust for money and they were trying to take... Advantage of people who were there in the temple and they saw that, the light shone on that and that darkness was exposed. It was, it was the businessman over in the corner who's been cheating his clients on, on what he was selling them. It, it, it's the neighbor who was present in the temple at that moment that realized that they were not being honest with the people next door. You see, when the light comes in, it floods all of that. It wasn't just one person And he picked that moment in Scripture, that moment in time, to expose himself as the light of the world. Why just after the story of the adulterous woman? Because the scene was perfect. To expose to the whole room, the whole temple, everybody who was in earshot, that he was the light of the world. Everybody who was walking there in darkness of any kind heard Jesus say, there's no need for that. There's no need for you to walk in darkness. If you'll follow me, you, 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 I will guide you. I will light the way. You won't have to muddle around in the darkness anymore, stumbling over things and falling into holes. I will light the way for you. If you will follow me, I'm the light of the world. You, you will be able to see. You won't fall down anymore. I will give you life. And I think everybody in the temple that day heard him say that. They may not have understood exactly what he was saying, but in my mind, when he said, I'm the light of the world, follow me, everyone's darkness came to their mind and they realized their need for our Lord. You see, light exposes things for what they truly are. Darkness hides the truth and conceals the intentions. Think about that in your own life for a minute. The things that we know don't please God, the things that we know we aren't supposed to be doing, the things that are questionable and maybe floating around in that gray area, we don't bring those into the light. We hide those things in the darkness. We suppress those things. We push those things down. We, we have that secret area, perhaps, in our life where we don't let anybody else in. There's, there's a lock and a key on it, so to speak, and, and, and no one is welcome to go there. And we make up justification after justification as to why we can leave that there and we're still going to be okay. Jesus says, that's not what I created you for. I want to come in and I want to expose. I am the light of life. And when the light of life comes in and exposes what's in the darkness, it's no longer covered. And you have to deal with it at that point. What darkness do you have today that needs to be exposed to the light of Jesus Christ? Is there something, some area, be it small or be it large, that desperately needs to be exposed to the light of Jesus Christ? It needs to come out from that deep cover of perhaps unbelief that you wrestle with and the questions have kept you from having the faith that God is offering you today to believe in Him and to have eternal life. It is some thing floating out there that you just can't get past that needs to be exposed. It may be the tiniest of secret sins that are locked away in the dark. Let me proclaim to you this morning that the light of the world is here and He is asking you As he did them in the temple that day to let him lead. Turn to your neighbor and say, will you let him lead? Jesus also made another I am claim in John chapter 6. It was the day after he performed a a miracle. And some of you know this story where he fed 5,000 men on a grassy area. With the lunch of a little boy who had five loaves and two fishes. So it was the day after that happened. It was also the day after the evening where the disciples got in a a boat and and went across the sea and a storm came up and they were in the boat and and the waves were crashing and the wind was blowing and they looked out and they saw Jesus and Jesus came and got in the boat with them. This was the, the day that he said the next I am statement. It was on that day that again a large group of people noticed that Jesus had left this side of the sea and gone to that side of the sea. And they followed him. But not only did they follow him, but when they got there, they they noticed and they knew from having watched on the other side of the shore that Jesus didn't get into any of the boats that were there. And so there was a discussion going on amongst them. Did Jesus get into that boat? No, he didn't get into that boat. That was just his disciples. How about this boat? No, that, no, no. These boats right here came from over there where we all ate dinner yesterday and he blessed that bread and fish and we all ate. But he didn't get in any of these boats. And so they were kind of scratching their head wondering, how did Jesus get here? Right? Valid question. And so they asked him and they said, how did you get here? And Jesus this is good stuff right here. Replies with another one of those boom statements that he's good at. And he says in John chapter 6, You seek me not because you saw the things and the signs, but because you ate the bread and fish. You, you, you seek me not because you saw the signs, but because you ate the bread and fish. So what's Jesus saying and, And who's he saying it to? He's saying it to all those people that chased him over there, trying to figure out where he was going next, trying to see the next miracle. And he's saying to them, you didn't come over here because you understand the miracles that I performed and who I am. You came over here because you got to eat. How many of you love to eat? Go ahead and put your hands up because you're just lying if you don't. I love to eat. And these people were so infatuated with Jesus... Again, not because of the miracles. They didn't understand everything, and that's what he was saying. But because they got to eat, so they followed him over there. And so he tells them that. He says, you didn't come over here because you understand the miracles I performed and who I truly am. You chased me over here because you got to eat. You see, once again, Jesus saw the hearts of the people and what their true intentions and nature was. And he knows why they really came. By the way, this is a big problem with Christians today. Us American Christians, we're we're chasing Jesus, not because of who He is, and that we truly understand Him, but because of what He can do for us. Uh Uh-oh, some of you didn't like that. So I'll repeat it. (laughs) We're not chasing after Jesus because of who He truly is to us, and what He's done for us, and so that we can gain understanding. We're chasing Him. Because of what he can do for us. I call it the genie in the lamp syndrome. And I've seen people in church after church and in this church. Some of which are no longer sitting on the chairs beside you. Who came to Christ because of what they thought he would do for them. And guess what? It wasn't his plan or will for that to happen at that moment. And they got discouraged and fell off the wagon. And now they're Lord knows where doing Lord knows what. Because they weren't chasing after Jesus, because they understood Him or wanted to know Him. They were chasing after Him because of what they thought He could do or would do for them. I have sat in counseling sessions with people who looked me in the eyes and said, I thought that if I did whatever, I came to Christ, I went down and prayed, I came to church every Sunday, Sunday after Sunday, that He would give me the desires of my heart. I won't be specific in case it was any of you. No. Wrong. I seek Jesus because He is my Lord and Savior. Because He created me to do so. Because I am in love with Him. Because He gave His life for me. He's done everything He's going to do for me. You say, Pastor, are you trying to tell me that he doesn't want me to, to be successful? He doesn't want us to have a home? He doesn't. No, that's not what I'm telling you. I am telling you, he died on the cross for you. That is what he can do and did do. What more do you want? He did not die on the cross so that you could have a bigger house or a fancier car. He died on the cross so that you could have a relationship with God the Father and be saved from your sins. That's why He came. That's why He did it. The Word of Faith movement and others like it are based on just that. What can I get out of this? Without naming names, can I throw a caution to you who watch certain evangelists, preachers and teachers on radio and TV? Be careful what you're listening to. Be careful what they're promoting. This is not what you can get out of it. I like to tell people, this isn't about you. This is about Him. This is about who He is. This is about the kingdom that He will bring to pass. If I never get myself involved and join forces with Him, He will still bring it to pass. It is not dependent on me. Therefore, He doesn't owe me anything more than He's already given me, and that is His life. Somebody ought to praise the Lord this morning for that. He's done it all. He's done everything that He can. This isn't about what I can get out of it. So, how can I eat again? How can I be happy again? Brother and sister, listen to me. This isn't about the, the healing, it's about the healer. This, this isn't about the saving, it's about the Savior, as the song says. This, this isn't about the, the giving, it's about the giver. We've got to get our eyes off of the things that are in front of us and get our eyes on Jesus Christ that died for us. Amen. We are so busy watching the things materialize around us and judging whether or not we've done the right thing by how good they're happening. Is anybody hearing that this morning? This is going great in my life, so I must be doing good. I think I'll keep going to church. I might even join a connect group. Maybe I'll have a little bit more happen in my life. That is not good. The Lord helped me right there, just so you know. (laughs) The Lord helped me right there. That is so wrong. It is so off base from the the thinking that that you should be thinking as as a Christian, as a follower of Christ. It's not about what you can get. It's about who he is. So this crowd of people that had followed him over across the sea that were standing there looking hungry again and probably thinking, Hey, Jesus, how about this time instead of fish and bread we do steak? right? That would be good. Let's do steak. And maybe if if anybody got any A1, we'll, we'll wait for that. Jesus said to them, this I am statement, I want you to hear. He said, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall never hunger. And he who believes in me shall never thirst. Boom. Not what they were expecting. They were still scratching their head trying to figure out how he even got over to that side of the lake because they didn't see him ride over in a boat. And they're expecting another meal that came over because he had fed them and they had eaten. And so he says to them, I am the bread of life. You came to eat, eat me. You came to be here and never thirst again, drink me. You want something that will last forever, I'm right here. And they were like, what? What's going on here? I don't understand. It was another unexpected bombshell. But Jesus was looking into the hearts of those that were there and noticing the deficiencies and the true condition when he said, I am the bread of life. See, he knew that talking about bread was gonna hit home with them because their stomachs were probably rumbling like ours are right now. He said, I'm the bread of life. Bread's a provision, is it not? Bread's a staple. If you're gonna go home and have lunch at my house, it's probably gonna involve bread, right? It's either gonna be a ham sandwich or a peanut butter sandwich. Maybe you're going to make a piece of toast for breakfast, but there's bread involved. It's a staple. Jesus was wanting that visual picture of their society and, and how they used bread and how important it was to them to come across when he said, I am the bread. I'm the staple. I'm the provision. I'm what you need. But they stood there not knowing how to take that statement. He said, you want to never hunger again? I'm right here. You want to never thirst again? I am right here. What he was really saying, what he was doing was identifying that even though they were only interested in their present needs, their, their hunger, their, their clothing, their shelter, the, the present needs that they had, their money, and they were willing to labor for those things. He said, you're, you're willing to labor for that. I'm offering you something free that you don't have to labor for. I am the bread of life. Then this group of people brings up the fact that their fathers, their forefathers, had eaten manna from heaven. That Moses had led them into the wilderness. And when they got hungry out there, manna was brought down from heaven for those people to eat. To which Jesus replies, your fathers are dead. I love that. They're trying to use their fathers as a hinge here. A, a, a leverage to get him to you know twist his arm to feed them again. And he goes, yeah, they got manna from heaven, but your fathers are dead. In other words, bring yourself into the current moment and listen to what I'm telling you. It's not a hunger of your palate. It's a hunger in your soul. And John 6 verse 47 says, Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me has everlasting life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, and they are dead. This is the bread which comes down from heaven, that one may eat of it and not die I am the living bread, Jesus said, which came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that shall, I shall give is my flesh, which I shall give for the light of the world. The message here is that Jesus is the provision that we are actually seeking. It was the provision they were actually seeking. They just couldn't identify it. They couldn't make it work in their minds. Uh, It was not the loaves and fishes. It was not what miracle he would do next. It was him he was trying to tell them that was really their hunger. Let me ask you this morning, what are you seeking? Why are you chasing Christ? Are you seeking the provision or the provider? Jesus says that he is the light of the world and the bread of life. If I were to break that down in my own words for you this morning, would you be okay with that? Two of you. Jesus says, I am the light of the world and the bread of life. This is what I think he's saying. Jesus will shine himself into your life and expose in the the dark places that he is God enough not to leave you wanting, but to be your provision. Say that again. He wants to come and expose the deep, dark things in all of our lives that desperately need to be dealt with. But He is so good, as we sang just moments ago, He is so good that He won't leave you there saying, Oh, I I see my deprivation now. I see the, the hole. I see the problem. Jesus doesn't have a desire to leave you in that state. Aren't you glad of that this morning? I'm so glad he didn't leave me there. I'm so glad his light doesn't just shine on me and say, here are the things that need to be worked on in your life, Scott. Good luck with that. I'll see you later. No. Not only does he shine a light on it, but he has got enough to be my bread. He's got enough to be my provision. He's got enough to give me what I need to be better. The adulterous woman had the light shined on her situation and what was exposed was the ugliness of her sin in her situation. But Jesus didn't expose it and walk away from her. He provided for her the grace that she could be forgiven and go away and sin no more. How many of us need to grasp a hold of that fact this morning? That it's God's grace and His ability that can come in and forgive us and we can go away and sin no more. Have you ever thought about that? Have you ever thought about how nice that would be to put something behind you and it not happen again? When I was young and in church, they called that having the victory over it. We got the victory over it. Well, I'm here to tell you this morning, that's not an old-timey and gone thing. He wants us to have the victory over the things that are hindering us and tying us down to this world. And he said, if you'll let me come in and expose that in your life... I will be your provision. He was the provision for the adulterous woman. The crowd that chased Jesus across the the sea for their their short-term needs was exposed for what they truly were. They weren't sincere in why they came there. They were exposed, and Jesus shined into them and showed them their problem, but he didn't stop there. He didn't leave it there. He said, I'm the bread of life. If you will come and eat this bread, you will never hunger again. He he showed them true provision that he would fill them so they would neither hunger nor thirst. My prayer is that you will allow the light of the world access. It's our choice. We're the ones that have suppressed things in our lives and pushed things down that we know shouldn't be there. And so Jesus is present as he was in the temple that day and as he was on that side of the sea that day. And he wants us to give him access. How can the light of the the, the world shine on an area that you will not allow him access to? So what does that take? It takes you and I being willing to say, Lord, I'm wide open this morning. I have no areas of my life. And it may take us in confession... Another word that we don't use in church enough. It may take us confessing our sins to him and saying, I have this thing in my life. Jesus, take this thing away from me. Shine your light on it. And the great part about all of this is not only will he come in and shine his light on that and expose it for what it is, but he will be your provision this morning. Amen? He will not leave you in want. He will not leave you in desperation. He will not say, good luck with that. I hope that works out good for you. He will say, I am the bread of life. Now that you have that thing, that hole in your life that's been exposed, allow that bread to come in and be your provision and come and satisfy you so that you will never hunger or thirst again. I need to know this before we enjoy the Lord's Supper together today. Has anybody heard this message this morning? Can I just see your hands? Has it meant anything to anybody? Has the Lord spoken to you anything in the last 15 minutes that you say, you know what? I understand that the the lady who was brought before him was caught in adultery and that she needed the light of the world, but you know what? I'm not unlike her. I also need the light of the world to shine on some areas in my life. I, I've been walking in unbelief and darkness in certain areas, I, I, I've, I'm hung up on some things, pastor, that are keeping me from really enjoying and, and being a part of the family of God because I can't get an explanation for them. I'm hung up there, I'm walking in darkness. I've got anger, bitterness, hurt that I'm clinging to, unforgiveness, he just spoke to me that I'm clinging to, and I'm allowing that darkness to stay, and it festers, and it's growing, and I realized this morning this is doing damage to me, and I desperately need the light of the world to come and shine His light on that this morning. Expose it for what it is. Let's call sin, sin. Amen. Let's don't call it gray area and we're not sure and we're not maybe over here at this church or in this denomination, this. I'm going to call sin, sin this morning. Lord, let our minds be clear of the things that you're putting in them right now as to whether it's sin or not. And let's call sin, sin. So here's what we're going to do. And these few moments right here before we enjoy communion together, one of the biggest honors that we have as a pastoral staff is to be able to pray with people. I don't, I don't want to lose that moment. I don't want to lose that ability and that, that we could see each other face to face and pray one for another. So in just these few moments as the, as the worship team comes and, and the ushers prepare to serve communion today, I want to ask you that if this message spoke to you at some level, any level, and that you would love to have someone pray with you about what God is saying to you, what he's put in your mind. Don't, don't be hesitant is, what, is my encouragement. If he put it there, if you thought it while you were sitting here, I believe because I prayed that he would do that before you got here. I believe that he put that there for a reason. If this message spoke to you and it wasn't my message, this is the Word of God. If He spoke to you this morning, I want you to walk down here. We're not going to close our eyes and bow our heads, not to make a spectacle out of you or anybody else, but because we want to enjoy the fact that you would say, I need somebody to pray with me. Let me remind you as you think about that, that Jesus is coming soon. I don't know if you've got it written on your calendar, but you should. Every day that you look at your calendar, that day should say, Jesus could come today. I believe in the imminent return of Jesus Christ. I believe everything that has to happen before he calls his church home has happened. And so I'm sitting on G waiting on O. I fully expect that at any moment God the Father will tell Jesus, you can get them now. Jesus is sitting on G waiting on O. He he is anticipating the moment that he will get the bride of Christ that God told him he would have, that God the Father said he would have. And so... Jesus is coming soon. With that in mind and with that urgency in our hearts, we should be willing to move. We should be willing to to move in this direction. We should be willing to say, you know what? It doesn't matter to me what anybody else thinks. I need somebody to pray with me. I need this taken care of. So I just encourage you to move now. If you need to come, come. I'm here. Pastor Terry's here. Pastor Robert's here. Joseph's here. Come on. Anybody. Before we enjoy communion together, before we receive the Lord's Supper together as a family, as a faith family, let's pray together. Let's do business. Maybe you're You're here today and you say, well, none of those things really applied to me. Let me tell you what applies to you for sure. We all need the light of the world to shine again on us. Would you agree with that? We all need that. I need a refreshing of His Spirit. I I need Him to shine His light on me one more time and show me anything. So maybe you don't know. Maybe nothing came to your mind, but you want to make sure you're asking him, shine your light on me one more time and show me anything. Would you come? Would you come? We'd like to pray with you in that that area. Maybe you're not enjoying the bread of life as you should be in your walk. And you just want to come and say, "I, I just want to enjoy his presence, his provision in my life one more time. Would you come? Now would you pray there in your seats, would you close your eyes, would you pray that that God would expose in you and in others around you the things that, that desperately need a touch, Father God light of the world bread of life I thank you today for who you are and God I pray for those who came down and and have been praying and I also pray for those that didn't come down those that are watching on the internet that that would have come if they had been in the room and, and perhaps they know in their heart that this was for them this morning. God, as badly as we want to conceal and hide those dark areas of our lives, I pray that they will be exposed for what they are. God, not to embarrass anyone or bring anybody to shame, but so that they can have life and that they can have it abundantly. So God, I believe in this moment, you're still working in the hearts of your people. God, don't let us be a people that continually live in darkness. Don't let us be a people of unbelief and get hung up to where we won't receive and accept who you really are. Don't let us harbor secret sins and things in our lives. You're asking me to stay right there for just a minute. Lord, don't let us harbor secret, dark areas in our lives. Don't let us suppress them anymore. That's the thing that's keeping us from the abundant life that you promised us. So we release those things. We give you access to that area of our life right now and as your light shines in on that and exposes it for what it truly is I know there's some people in this room that need to confess that to you so as they do that Father God I I ask you for your forgiveness for me and for them you are the light of the world thank you for your forgiveness and Lord as that thing is moved out of our lives and and leaves a vacancy, I thank you today that you are the bread of life. You are our provision. You will come in and fill that area so that it's no longer vacant, so that there's not a hole for us to stumble in. And so the thing that's now been cast out by your light cannot come back. And so I'll be bold enough this morning, God, to pray for overcoming victory for people who have struggled for so long with a dark area of their life. God, would you provide for them as they receive your provision this morning? Would you, would you give them victory over that area of their life? No more will they have to stumble there. No more, God, will they find themselves once again in that place no more will they find themselves with that person no longer will they find themselves with that substance no longer will they find themselves with that thought god give us victory you did not come and die on the cross so that we would continually struggle over and over again with the same things you came and you gave your life and you bled and you died so that you could give us power to have victory over the things in our lives that don't please you and so as we pray we pray Jesus thank you for your blood thank you for your body thank you for the sacrifice that you have given me so that I can have victory over this We should be asking for that victory. We should be proclaiming that victory. We should be looking for ourselves to live in that victory, not to fall once again into sin. Lord, give us the heart and the mind to do as your word says and to confess our sins. And so, God, I pray for the one who desperately needs to do that today. As you work on their heart, as you change them from the inside out, as they confess to you that dark area of their life, I thank you for your forgiveness. I thank you for the atonement of the cross. I thank you, God, that it's in you that all of these things are done. In the precious name, in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. We're going to enjoy communion together as the ushers come to serve you you'll take an element as the plate goes by, then we'll have communion all together before we end our time today. Ushers, go ahead and serve us.
1: See yeah. Thank you
0: At the end of that story where Jesus told them that he was the bread of life, and he told them that he was the bread of life, and that he would be the one that they should eat and drink of, it blew their minds. They couldn't understand it. They didn't have the ears to understand it. They didn't have the hearts to understand it. Verse 66, I believe it is, of that chapter is one of the saddest verses I've ever read in the Bible. And it said that many of his disciples walked away and they followed him no more. Why? Because they couldn't see him for who he truly was. They didn't understand what was about to happen. They didn't understand that he would give his life for them. They thought he was suggesting literally that they eat his flesh and drink his blood. And of course, that's not what he meant. He meant, I'm going to sacrifice myself for you. And if you'll receive me, I will will be your provision and I will be your savior. Jesus didn't stop just because some walked away. Jesus carried that same message to his disciples the night of the last supper. The last time he would get to eat with them. And the Bible says after dinner he he took the bread. The bread is a token of his body that was beaten and broken for me, for you, for them, for all of eternity, for every person. He took that bread and he broke it. How symbolic it was that he broke that bread and he he distributed it to his disciples and he said, I'm going away. I want you to remember me. And as often as you break bread together, as often as you eat together, as often as you take bread in your hand, I want you to remember that that is my body that I suffered and was tortured. But I don't do it begrudgingly. I did it for you voluntarily. I want. You to know that, Jesus said. And so after he broke that bread and distributed it, he blessed it. And then they ate together. Would you do that with me? The body of Christ is the only human body that's ever been broken and died for us. And we remember you today, Jesus, and what you went through, and what you did. And then it says in the Bible that he took the cup. It was just juice. It was wine in the Bible. He said, what you don't know is going to happen, just moments from right now, is my blood is going to leave my body, and it's going to splash on the dry ground on top of Galgotha's hill for you because something has to cover the sins that you are going to commit. something has to restore relationship with God. He's just and he's, he's righteous and, and you can't be anyway on your own and so I'm going to give myself, my body's going to be broken and my blood is going to pour out for you so that you'll have a way so that you won't be lost. And so he took the cup with the juice in it and he gave it to the disciples. And he said, every time you drink from this cup, every time you see that juice and and you drink together after you've eaten bread, remember me, remember my blood, remember what the blood stands for because it covers all of your sins. Would you drink the cup with me today? What a beautiful and reverent and symbolic act that he commanded us as a church and as a people to do. That we would stop everything and remember him and remember what he's done for us. And so, Father God, we thank you that you provided atonement for our sins. We thank you, Jesus, that you voluntarily went to the cross. You could have stopped it, but you didn't. Because what was more important to you than what you wanted or your will was God's will, your Father's will. And I don't know how it is, Lord God, that you've chosen us To put this grace and this mercy on. But I know as for one of your children, I stand here today grateful. I thank you for doing for me what I couldn't do for myself. I thank you for the the bread, the bread of life. I thank you for your body that was broken for me. I thank you, Jesus, for your blood that poured out, that now has covered every sin I've ever committed and every sin that I ever will commit. I thank you, Jesus, that you've done that for me. Only you are worthy. Would you join us one more time in worship to him today before we leave this place? Thank you for tuning into this week's message. For more information about Connections Church, you can go to connectionschurch.church or follow us on Facebook and Instagram.